Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. I like to joke that uh, I'm an urban druid and I mark the seasons very differently than the ancients did. Um, For instance, I know that it is Imolk when the potholes on the road become unbearable. Sure is. <laughs> because because you know that, like, if I'm looking at the way that that interacts with the natural world, we've had snow and salt on the roads, and February in Ohio is when we get ice storms, which means that all of the water in the, in the cracks in the road freezes, and then as we're getting the little blossoms of its winter might eventually end, the the water melts and the, the road falls apart and you have potholes. So, like, that is my urban druidry. This is how I know it's Imolk. <clears throat> Season-changing kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's solid. The, uh, what is it, the, the two seasons are road constructions <laughs> and snow plows. Yep. <laughs> that is pretty accurate. <laughs> we just drove through a whole bunch of falling leaves here in Massachusetts. Are we actually in the Berkshires? Uh, yes, we, well, we're near enough that there was just an exit for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're driving right now out to Harvest Nights, which we don't often get to drive together. I think we've ever driven this together. We've never right? driven to Harvest Nights together, no. But on our way out, we are moving toward peak fall color. In New England, yeah. In New England. And so there are a lot of reds and oranges and some yellows and still some greens. Yeah, it's really pretty. It is. It's, it's changed dramatically just in the, the last... What, 100 miles? 100 miles or so, yeah. And we assume that by the time we are driving back, because we are driving to Harvest Night. Yeah, so in a couple of days, it'll be even better. Yeah. And then... It, but it's striking to see those kinds of changes as we drive, because we are often moving entirely into different climate zones. Right. Um, and Trillium's another good one. When we start Trillium, we start and there's nothing on the trees. And when we come back at the end of the weekend... We're seeing blossoms. Blossoms and, and buds and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. The trees are exploding in the And leaves. it's just kind of crazy that it's over the course of like three or four days that you see those those differences. Yeah, and you don't notice it when you're, when you're there. So, I mean, clearly, when we're at the festival, this is all happening around us. Right. But it's not until we drive back and we look at those mountains again and we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. And so it, I, I, it makes it more real to me that... Um, 
that the ancients, as this monolithic whatever, um, could tell the difference in the seasons and could mark these fairly accurately um, without our modern technology of connecting to the... (laughs) Or wall calendars. Or wall calendars, sure, but... um, but with without those kinds of things and could mark it still fairly fairly reliably. Yeah. And I've started noticing too around our rituals. I mean you mentioned the popples, which is a great one, uh, at Emma. But at Autumn Equinox, and of course we're both from central Ohio, so our our concepts of timing may be different than anyone else's. Right, right. But um, at Autumn Equinox, you've got the full um, acorns on the oak trees. I was going to say, it's when you have to watch out for falling walnuts. Yes, falling walnuts, <laughs> full acorns, and Samhain, all the acorns are on the ground. And at Lunasa, the acorns are just becoming nuts. Right. And, again, depending on the oak tree, but the, uh, the process, so you, I can tell where I am in the year from that. Also, apples. Yeah. You know, when when apple picking comes around. Right. Well, and when you think of, like, the three harvests, you know, you have the grain harvest, the fruit and nut harvest, and the blood harvest. Yes. So, like, when you think of it that way, that's another good, like, tell. Yes. Though, and in central Ohio, our grain harvest is a lot closer to October. It is. Than it is to uh, Lunasa. So, you know, it depends on where you live. That's why we still have corn mazes. Yes, that's right. Up until Halloween. Yep. Maze mazes. (laughs) Yes. Mazes of mazes. (laughs) The the other thing, given where we live, and because of climate change as well, is that we are able to be outside, if we choose, uh, through Samhain, and often... Our Yule celebrations, there's no snow on the ground at all. No. It is Immold where we have snow on the ground. Yeah. February is definitely our snowy season, snow and ice season, as opposed to December. Yep. Though, we also get the early crocus. We do. And that pops up right around Immold as well. And so that has often been a, a symbol of Immold for me, is the, the blossoming of the crocus. We actually Partially because of the crocus meditation that we have. Right. Well, and we even did a working one Yule where we blessed bulbs. Paper whites, and, yeah. And planted them. And so by the time Imok rolled around, they... they right them. around then, they'd started blooming. Yep. So that was a really cool working, I thought, that we did. Yep. Spring equinox and Belton are often a little bit harder to discern, just in terms of where they are for me Belton occurs when it's warm is usually how I, I say because for me normally it's like spring equinox is there is green but it is still cold yes <laughs> and Beltane is there's green and flowers and you might need a jacket but yeah. it's it's comfortable to be outside daffodils are one of the, the, the spring equinox signs for me because yeah. they're a little bit later than those crocuses, and when they pop up, you see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of cool. Yeah, my my dad um, has filled our the entire woods surrounding our house 
in daffodils. And so that, like, couple of weeks, and he's planted different varieties so that it extends a little further. But that couple of weeks, the whole woods is just yellow and white. Yeah. Like, the whole ground cover, and it's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've always liked daffodils. They are, they're a lovely flower. Yes, until they tempt you into the underworld. Yeah, well. <laughs> Everything has to have its uh, its dark side, right? <laughs> Even daffodils. Even daffodils. Dandelions, when they start populating the the various yards, uh-huh. uh, that's a good sign, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it for Belta, because that happens yeah. right around uh, May, and then the kids going out to grab the the puffballs. Yes, the puffballs. Yeah, for me, um, summer solstice is fireflies. Yes, that's a good one. Like, that is summer solstice to a T for, for me. Yeah, is when fireflies are out. Is when you first start seeing fireflies outside. I found out that there are no fireflies in parts of the world, and I just it had never occurred to me huh. that there were places that didn't have fireflies or where people would see them and just be freaked out. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But... Having grown up in, in the central United States for all of my life, even though I've moved around, there have always been fireflies. Yeah. And so talking to people from, like, the West Coast where they just don't have them... Really? ...is strange. I suppose that could be especially frightening if you're worried about forest fires and sparks forest and fires. seeing fireflies. Just or, or if you're worried about fairies. I mean, yes. <laughs> but yeah, there, there are lots of interesting signs, and... Though we started with a tongue-in-cheek notion of... <laughs> urban druidry seasons. Urban, yes, urban druidry. <laughs> There's a lot to that, because we do, even though we, we may not really realize it, we do move in cycles based on the weather and based on the available light. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason that our kids don't get on the bus in the dark is because we have daylight savings for a chunk of the year. Right. And it moves... The, the light a little bit further, at least our perception of when the light is right. earlier, uh, which impacts the the way that we experience things. And when I was particularly heavily focused on dawn and dusk ritual, right? Because you used to light a candle every every day at dawn and every day at sunset, yeah, and. I still do it sometimes, though these days with kids I take vacations from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the what would happen is I would get to a point where I would have to either be late to work or leave work <laughs> in order to catch the sun at the right time around that winter solstice. Right. And it's it's weird to going to work or going to school and not see the sun at all in yeah. a day as a result of the the way that the sun has crossed the sky. And the way that our modern work culture still has, requires us to be there for nine hours when your when your daylight hours are gone. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are lots of things to to view and to, to look at when it comes to those those changing seasons and lots of ways to mark them as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I find it meaningful to mark not just the big ones but also the little ones, like the betweens. Um, 
and I find it useful to mark the the when I note the visual change in season as well as the um, quote unquote official date for things. Um, like I find it meaningful to mark when we have our emulg right, and then a couple of weeks later to mark the potholes. Yes. Like when I note the seasons changing isn't always when the calendar says things have changed. Right. Um, and I find it useful to mark both of them. Yeah. One of the things that I have done for a long time is um, every time that a high day comes up or I, I, I note that high day based on what's going on around is I try and update either my altar or the shop altar, one of the two, um, to, to reflect the season. And that's an easy way, I think, to, to recognize the change. I don't do that, but I don't... I My altar is not as elaborate as yours, I don't think. It's not a smaller space. It's a smaller space, but it's also like I don't... I don't keep a lot of statuary or a lot of decoration on it. Yeah. Um, I sometimes move deities around. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much to move around. Yeah. So. And so, and, and I don't do a lot of visual changes, but I know a lot of people who do, like, they'll change out their altar cloth. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll update, especially for Samhain. I see a lot of people. I am always really impressed with people who can keep their altars changing every six and a half weeks. Yes. Like, it's, and I love seeing pictures of them. I just, it's not a thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> there are other things to, to spend our time on, I suppose. <laughs> but it's a thing that, that, it's an easy way to, to mark those seasons and those changes, and you can make a ritual out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can wash your statues. I do that sometimes, but you have to be careful that you're not, you know, washing everything away on them, because some of the statues that you buy commercially have paints that will just come off in water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've washed my statues a couple of times, and it it's okay for me. I, I have mostly metal statues. Yeah. So, like, plain metal statues. Yeah. I don't usually cycle my tools, but I've, I've known people to do that. Yeah, I don't do that. There's different tools at different times of the year. And then there are people who do a house cleaning. I used to. Yeah. But that was that was uh, monthly. Yeah. I did when I was much more regular about doing um, the, the Daikon and Numinia. Mm-hmm. I would do uh, house cleaning on the dark moon, and then um, protection and honoring my house spirits on the new moon. Yeah. Did you do those at all seasonally? Was there a seasonal element to it? There was not. It was all lunar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I know my my workings tend to change. I do much more introspective trance work in the winter, um, and that I don't know if it's seasonally that I do that or if it's just because it's dark, and so it's easier for me to do better trance work when it's dark. I don't know. You certainly have more dark time, and I, I think too that the weather and the celestial alignments can have a lot to do with the ways that we feel about these things. Yeah. Because a lot of people like to do more trance work and, and earthy sort of magic and, and things like that in the dark half of the year. I think because it is dark 
it's it, it's they a turning. It's a turning within. Like you're literally yeah. forced inside, and so you turn within in your work too. Yep. And I think too that when we do uh, when we do work that follows a moon cycle, that becomes really obvious. When the moon is full, and you can see it, it's not cloudy. It's really obvious that the moon is full. Yeah. It looks well, bright. It washes <laughs> out the stars. I think the most hilarious thing for me is we do, our grove does druid moon rites uh-huh. on the sixth night, which is when the moon is a thumbnail or um, a little smile, like the Cheshire cat. Yeah. Like, that's what the moon looks like at that, at that time. And it's funny because there have literally been times where I've been, like, on the way home from a druid moon rite, and I'll see the moon and I'll be like... Huh, looks like it's about time to do Druid Moon. Oh, wait, we, we just literally did just did one. I often um, feel that way at Druid Moon. I'll be like, oh, hey, look. Oh, hey, look, there's the moon that we're supposed to be doing. Oh, we're here doing yeah. it right now. But that's one that's very visually, it, it, it very obviously cues up in my brain that that's what I need to be doing when I see that moon. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, seeing the, the moon six days from new, or six days to new, so before, uh-huh. where, where it looks exactly the same, but it's flipped. Right. I don't have the same. I don't have experience. the same experience. It's only when it's the, the actual one that we do Druid Moon on. Yep. So yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it is embedded itself in our brains because I can look up at the sky and I'll be like walking the dog. I'm like, I'll bet you we've got a Druid Moon soon. Yeah. And sure enough. <laughs> sure enough. It is it's, tomorrow. It's the next day. Yeah. Yep. Which is really cool because I don't like I don't see myself as someone who's good at telling the difference in celestial bodies, but clearly, that's one that has embedded itself in my brain. Yes. I think for good reason. It's a, it's a, a fairly common one for us, and we, we look at it a lot. Yeah. Because we try and do the Druid after dark. It's hard to do in the summer. Right. But in the winter, we can, and we always do, because it gets dark earlier. Um, and so we have a good visual reference for what that looks like. Yeah. So I think I think visual reference is really important and really meaningful when you're marking those cyclical changes. Yeah. Smell is as well, though. I mean, the fall smell is different than the spring. I read a thing the other day that apparently humans are more attuned to the smell of rain coming than sharks are to blood in the water. Like, we have that level of sensitivity to that that smell of rain, which I found really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, and like, you can tell like, the way the cold air smells when it's gonna snow, like, yeah. that has a that has a feel and a, and a smell. Yeah. To be fair, there are people out there who don't realize that you can smell rain. And that you can smell the, the cold I mean, snow. Yeah. Um, but for those of us who can smell it, we're like, how could you miss that? Yeah, it's really <laughs> obvious when it is a thing that you that you can do. Yeah, and the the rain in the summer smells different than the rain in the in the spring. Mm-hmm. Weirdly. <laughs> and and I know like logically that um, that the cold in the spring and the cold in the fall feel very different um in the spring there's kind of this juxtaposition between 
oh, it's finally warming up, so I'm not going to wear my sweatshirt. And it's 50 degrees, right? But in the fall, you've been so warm all summer that it's 50 degrees, and you're like, man, I'm putting on my flannel and my jeans. Um, And so... This morning we woke up, and it was 38, (laughs) and we're like, ooh, we should put on coats. Yeah, and so it's just that, that interesting difference, like, those two types of cold feel different. Yes. Yes. 38 degrees when you've been camping in sub-freezing weather is fabulous. It is balmy. <laughs> I, I remember one time, very vividly, I was talking to Art at Trillium, and I said, you know, we should really get out of the sun. It's warm. And that has stuck with me, because that's not a thing you say at Trillium very right, often. Right, right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.